0: I'm 40% podcast. I'm 40% podcast. You know I'm 40% podcast, baby. You
1: know I'm 40% podcast. You know I'm 40% podcast, baby. I'm only 40%. Go. Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of I'm 40% podcast. As always, I've got my little shit of a sidekick. It's
0: Nick Sahoya. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, I don't want to cause any trouble today. I just want to be a good little (laughs) boy. I do want you
1: on your best behavior because (laughs) this is a terribly exciting, monumentous, absolutely wonderful day for us. Our guest today is actor voiceover artist and all around goddess lauren tom who you will know as the voice of amy wong on futurama itself and we have her here today lauren thank you so much for joining us
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm so happy to be here with you guys
1: Awesome. <laughs> so, before we get into the episode, um, we're going to do just a little idol worship, and for all of our listeners, um, but pretty much just for us, let's talk to Lauren Tom about. You've been around in this business for so long. We know your voice from so many different animated shows. Um, But as I was, you know, it's so funny because it's like you watch things throughout the years. And then when you kind of like, when you have an opportunity like this, you kind of revisit that person's body of work. This is the first time I realized that you were Julie on Friends. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wow. (laughs) So. Okay, so everyone knows friends. And (laughs) if you remember, (laughs) Ross's girlfriend, Julie, that um, Rachel hated, uh, that was Lauren Tom. And it wasn't your only um, big live action um, acting role back in that era of television. But let's start with friends, friends, (laughs) just friends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a very
0: popular show.
2: <laughs> it was. I, I joined in the second season where what because it had already taken off. So uh-huh. it was a little, it was kind of thrilling. I was insanely nervous. And um, I just remember wearing this micro mini skirt because I wanted to be cute. <laughs> and they, they they keep the studio like at fifty degrees to keep everyone awake. That was <laughs> freezing. So I was like, I was so nervous. and when I get nervous, really stupid things come out of my mouth. So I mean, I mean, I, I turned to Lisa Crujo and I said, so, Oh, you don't seem nearly as like ditzy and dumb as you know, in real life. And I'm like, Oh my God, why did I say that? And she just like turned away from me like, yeah, okay. Goodbye. Um, but it was really a thrilling experience for me. And, and I feel like the best part about that show, uh, and, and it's also, and one of the reasons it's one of my favorite, you know, jobs mm. is just, uh, you know, in my daily life, having young Asian American women come up to me and go, wow, that's kind of the first time I've seen myself on screen yeah. there. and And yeah, I feel okay. like if you can do it, I can do it. And so that just lifted me up and made me feel like, oh, okay, so then I'm not just, a bomb. Like I, I'm <laughs> trying to contribute something to the world,
1: you know, oh, and strange. that I'm having some sort of effect. So, so that was really, really lovely for me. It's that's so fantastic to hear, and it's just it's it's one of those moments where it blows my mind that I never realized it. You know, i have i I'm so familiar with your work as a voice actor, um, but um, I remember. Okay, so this is a slight departure from Friends, but we can always come back to it. But I remember (laughs) recently in the pandemic, re-watching The Nanny in its entirety. And there is an- there is an episode that is a what is known as a backdoor pilot. And I only explained that because I never knew what industry a industry
0: terms, pilot. <laughs> industry terms. I had to call
1: Nick and ask Nick because he was also watching the nanny. I was like, what is this episode where the nanny's not even really there, but it's all about a salon? <laughs> and he explained what a backdoor pilot is it was to me. And I remember there was a moment mid episode. I was like, that voice is so familiar. I know. I know that voice. And I realized it was you in the back. Oh my God.
2: Of I think that you
1: are the only
2: you and my mom are the only ones that have ever seen that. And, <laughs> and also I don't really think many people know the phrase back door pilot either. <laughs> I, guess I have just a quick aside. My, my friend who's British and a director Wonderful guy. He came through TSA um, security in in L.A. And they said, state your purpose of being here. And he said, I'm here to shoot a pilot. Oh, no. (laughs) And they detained him for three hours. Three hours. (laughs) (laughs) So most people know that phrase, you know, (laughs) shoot a pilot.
1: (laughs) What was Um, it like? um, What was it like? Filming a, a backdoor pilot, you get one episode of a television show that's already popular, but it might go on to become a whole series of- In itself and as you were speaking about representation what I really noticed for myself in that episode is that it had um, I don't know the actor's name but he ends up playing Gil Chesterton on Frasier and he played a a fairly fairly flamboyant gay male in the salon for your episode and I was like wow like the nanny was like showcasing queer characters at a very early time in television as well and And we know now, looking back on The Nanny, that um, the co-producer and Fran Drescher's husband at the time was a gay man. Yes, (laughs)
3: yes, yes.
1: So Um, I have to just imagine how, how he must have been obsessed with the same things as me because we got... We got Fran Drescher, we got Lauren Tom, we've got queer representation. What was that experience like for you?
2: <laughs> you know, it was so long ago that I have very vague memories, <laughs> of course, you know, cause my, you know, but I, uh, Fran Drescher was just so lovely to work with. And um, you know, that network, I think it was CBS had um, given me a deal to create a pilot for myself.
0: Ooh. And so,
2: yeah. And so they, they liked this idea of the nanny. And then I was going to do that little Asian accent. I, I do. And, and of course, you could never do that today. <laughs> I would be <laughs> killed for that. But, um, but anyway, uh, they, they decided that um, the, the whole, like the way that Fran talks like that, you know, like was a better way to go. Mm-hmm. And so she got that storyline. And then they wrote me a new storyline. And, and I, I was like, I think the head of a catering business or something, and that kind of took off and mine did not, but I also feel like it's because, you know, folks weren't really ready for, uh, an Asian sitcom, like a, a sitcom starring an Asian person yet. Like, I think the first one was Margaret Cho when she yeah. did all American girl. And that was a decade later. So, yeah. um, but it but still it was doesn't really happen
0: enough, you know, it's I yeah, wish there was I mean, more of that.
2: Yeah, little by little. I mean, yeah. all of, uh, you know, our the communities that are sort of marginalized, we, we just make little tiny steps. And and I always like try to focus on the positive instead of like, for example, when when Margaret's uh, show came out, the Asian community you know kept nitpicking everything that was not correct about it like mm-hmm. people don't eat sticky rice that's japanese that's not korean and and it's sort of like i felt like the, the it would be better for the community to just get hey you know what there's there's a sitcom on network tv that is an all asian cast let's just focus on that and then not be so negative because yeah. it's like these right? I don't know. And and because you kind of got to get your own community behind something yeah. in order for there to be more projects like that, if you like.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I watched um, as a teenage drag queen, I was obsessed with Margaret Cho's <laughs> stand-up specials. And she talks a lot about the pressures that were put on her. Um, you know, you're talking yeah. about some of the pressure from the Asian communities, but then she had so much pressure on her image as a woman being put on her by the producers and just what an impossible so not her that. yeah yeah
2: yeah <laughs> impossible it feat
1: was... for that time
2: <laughs> exactly yeah i really i really yeah we bonded over that actually oh, because they really felt so much compassion for her for that you know anyway
1: yeah. i am wildly in love with the show king of the hill which almost no one yes. in my communities have <laughs> watched as much King of the Hill as I as I have, but I feel re- I relate to it because of my 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 grandfather reminds me so much of. Hank Hill. Um you also voiced, oh. <laughs> you oh, also voiced um both uh Khan Jr., aka Connie, and Min Supenus Phone on King of the Hill. So you have really been on our television for just decades. Uh, you know, you have such a wonderful career to celebrate. And um that so all of these all of these things that I've seen you in throughout the years just makes it like so surreal to have you on as our guest oh man I had to get all of that out of the way before we even start on Futurama
2: (laughs) thank you so much I really appreciate all of that support it it just is lifting me up and yeah you're making my day thank you (laughs) yeah
0: I love King of the Hill too I love just the um the vibe of like sort of misfit kids in the suburbs, which, you know, Bobby and uh, Connie especially were. And it just, I don't know, when I was a kid living at the suburbs, even though I was in Washington and that show set in Texas, there's just kind of this universal malaise of like feeling a little, like a big fish in a small pond. And I really feel like Connie captured that.
2: Oh, thank <laughs> um, you so much.
0: My question is, uh, as you've been sort of uh, regaling us of uh, stories from your career, um, I notice you're very humble and you are very sort of, um, I don't know, understated in some of your accomplishments. And it it reminds me a little bit of Amy and you're even, you're wearing pink today, a little Amy oh, yeah. as well. I <laughs> so I sort of wonder um, with Amy and with some of these other uh, roles that we know you from, how many have been written for you specifically and how many did you kind of just land in, uh, by going through the audition process?
2: Oh, oh, so I'm at a point in my career now where I I'd say I get like mm, 60% straight offers, which is like, I I pretty much 95% will say yes. If someone just offers it (laughs) to me because I hate auditioning so much. I mean, it was such a learning curve for me to learn how to self tape and with the lighting and the camera. And it just, It was great because my anxiety level was dialed down from, you know, not having to go in a person and nail it. in that one minute I had. But on the other hand, I just it's really hard uh, for me to stay in the moment of a character when I'm worried about all the other things, the the Mm -hmm. elements going on. And so I still have to audition with that other 40 percent. And I'm trying to, like, (laughs) you know, just
1: I need an attitude adjustment. I really do. (laughs) Well, I was going to ask, what's your star sign?
2: leo, leo. But, uh, but, uh, every, but everything is in my 12th house jinx okay. like <laughs> all of my planets are in the 12th house so i'm i have like a my moon is a leo also uh-huh. and my rising is virgo and, That's, and uh,
1: there it is i was waiting for you to say virgo i knew it was really? in there somewhere because <laughs> really? so many things i'm a virgo and my Rising is actually Leo, but everything that you're saying, I'm like, okay, the way she's talking about auditioning, the way she's talking about, you know, like when you get nervous, you just start saying
2: things. Oh my <laughs> God, I want to like grab the words to. back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like oh.
1: the amount of times I've wished I could suck a sentence back into my mouth before <laughs> anyone else could hear it. Like, um, here's a
2: classic thing, and it's so like Amy as well. I, uh, you know, someone said their birthday was October 31st, and I said, Oh, does it fall on Halloween every year? <laughs> <I>
3: mean,
1: <laughs> what the hell like
3: stop talking <laughs>
1: <laughs> well now now that we've done an appropriate amount of gushing let's get into Futurama Futurama okay. as um as I've mentioned uh before we started recording this is one of mine and Nick's favorite shows We've watched every episode like four or five times
0: at least. Some we lived episodes. together for two years and we we binged the whole series twice. And she wasn't even home that much. <laughs> but we got through the whole thing twice.
1: Wow. So first Big and fans. foremost, congratulations on the announcement oh. of the new season. Thank uh, you so much. What um what does that feel like to be getting back into a show after? Well, I mean, the show itself has had multiple breaks.
2: It, yeah, it's like a running joke now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So you must be used to kind of taking some time off it and then getting back into the character. But this is probably the largest break you've had, correct? Oh, it's,
2: it's yeah. This it is a long. It was a pretty long break. <laughs> I mean, we all have like kids now that are grown and stuff. <laughs> but but I. I... <gasps> I can't tell you how ecstatic we all were just because of the family reunion aspect. And then Phil, Lamar and I both have two college tuitions today
3: for our <laughs> kids.
2: So we're like, thank you, God! Um, <laughs> because it's like, it's insane now. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, and, and also just, to, you know, there, there are, they hired some new writers too. So our writing staff is even more diverse because we, oh, yeah. we had had Kristen Gore before, um, uh, who was, you know, Al Gore's daughter. Um, <laughs> oh, but, well, but, Al Gore's
0: in this episode quite a bit. So we could get really? into that later. Yeah. Yeah, so that was super
2: fun to meet him. And, and, you know, just they hired more women and more people of color. And, you know, like so. So that's really cool. Uh, the only the other, you know, you have to be more uh, inclusive nowadays yeah. Yeah. And, and a little bit more PC So like the guy that plays uh, Leo uh, Wong is Billy West, but they've recast him now with someone that's Asian. Oh, cool. and, and so I had, I actually had to teach Billy how to swear in Cantonese <laughs> and he still <laughs> remembers it, <laughs> but I won't have to do oh, that. So when someone teaches me a
0: swear word in a different language, I know it for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's the first thing I learn when I learn a new language. Oh, okay. Well, I'll teach
2: you, Nick. So it's basically what I'm saying. Cause it, every time they ask me to swear in Futurama, it's always mm. the two phrases because that's all I know. <laughs> and And it's the two things, the two sentences that my parents used to say to me all the time. <laughs> when I was little and that is I'm going to beat you to death ah! and I'm going <laughs> to chop your head off oh <laughs> so I'm going to beat you to death is
0: <laughs> oh I've heard you say this many times on the show oh, it's the great to know. okay
2: okay well so now it's on the recording in case anybody wants to learn
0: <laughs> yeah, this is so interesting already uh what's, okay, what's the other one
2: uh yeah that's I'm gonna cut your head off and, that and one I didn't also...
0: know right away, but das and I've heard many times. Awesome. Yeah.
2: Okay, well, you can feel free to use it. When
0: I, you know. The only uh, Cantonese I know is I worked at a uh, boarding school and my students who spoke Cantonese would say, le hao fan to each other, which means you are annoying. Did what? I say it anywhere close to <laughs> yeah, 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 correct? Yeah, you
3: did. You did. Okay, good. <laughs> wait, so what, I would what? tell
0: them le hao fan when they were in my office and they, would, wait, and wait, they wouldn't what, go away. Bo- what boarding school? I worked at a boarding school in Seattle. I probably shouldn't say the name on the show oh, because okay. talk about a lot <laughs> of inappropriate things here. Okay. <laughs> never
2: but, mind, never mind.
1: The boarding school was down the street from my house, so we would Oh, it sometimes... was like
0: across the street. Oh yeah. my gosh.
1: Yeah, so there were nights where Nick would be out with me until like 2 a.m crash on my couch and then hung over go over and look after rich people's kids oh
2: my god so you guys have been friends a long time
1: yeah yes. we're going on like we 20 years like- now no that's a ex- 16 years somewhere <laughs> yeah, around there rather
2: <laughs> i have to say nick i love your hair it's, oh gosh, it's, thank it's, you it's, it's 70s and retro and i think that more people should Bro, be rocking that today you you are a good inspiration
0: <laughs> well your hair is lovely but since we're both in la i would be remiss if i didn't say teddy baker beauty in beverly hills she'll cut your hair she'll give you a good deal
3: is, is that is that who did it
0: that's who did okay. it teddy
2: okay <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna show it to my son because i think he would like
0: it yes run <laughs> their hair.
2: yeah yeah exactly
0: Oh, I wanted to ask one more question, and obviously you can't tell us too much about what's going on in the new season. But um, I remember when it came back for uh, the first time after the movies, when it came back to Comedy Central, all of a sudden there were episodes about iPhones and social media and things that sort of weren't um, around as much in the early 2000s when Futurama started. Um, obviously, you can't tell us specifically what's going to happen. No, I mean, we're all we expect... by Disney
2: now, so that I'm not guessing. <laughs> yeah, so... anything.
0: <laughs> um, but are you able to say, Will we can we expect some new, exciting topics like that to be broached on by Futurama? Oh, God, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, they love very cool. being very current with with everything that's going on so we've we've probably recorded about like five or six episodes already wow, and, cool. and uh so it's really fun to see everybody and and absolutely yes I can I think I can say that yeah I, <laughs> I
3: think mean yeah you can say yeah inspire. for sure <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but really really fun new little ideas that they've had for our characters that are taking them in slightly different directions which is just great and it's and um cool. yeah. So um yeah
1: all... I can't I can't really say anything. <laughs> well we're all excited to see what new um futuristic slang Amy says. Um <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the best we parts the, of Amy's Amy Leela. Uh...
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's what I usually write on my autographs, yeah. <laughs>
1: So today's episode um it is the season 2 finale and that's why we are so excited to be joined from an actual voice actor on Futurama. But today's episode is the first of a handful of anthology episodes. And this is called the Anthology of Interest with the What If Machine. And the What If Machine has a recurring role in future episodes of (laughs) Futurama. But this is our first introduction to the What If Machine. Nick, why don't you start us off with the top of the episode? What's the
0: Chiron for this episode? Well, first of all, I'll say there's no cold open. I feel like we should say that um the Chiron is painstakingly drawn before a live audience. I think this is a perfect Chiron. This is five out of five chirons.
1: yeah, I'll give it five um, out of five chirons as well would you
0: would you like to give it a, a ranking, Lauren we always give the chirons a ranking from zero to five chirons. I
1: have no clue.
3: Uh, I, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with you on this
0: one five out of five cool Fives out of across five across the board Okay, good uh the professor says good news as he often does and he's invented the thing longer it's oh,
3: a, I remember <laughs>
0: that it's a device for uh turning things on across the room which is of course silly because remote controls exist um and he uses like one of those pool thingies to poke a button on a machine which we find out yeah. is the what if machine
1: no um, right I would love a thing longer and I actually think you know we're seeing its practical use in everyday life but I also think if the thing longer existed in our world it would be a number one selling sex toy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I you mean, go to lovers package. Get yeah, one you, of those. Could, you could get a Fing
1: longer deluxe,
0: which is two fingers, <laughs> or
1: maybe a fist
0: longer. <laughs> um. <laughs> fist longer is a really good invention. The button is uh, on a what if machine, which is kind—it of, kind of looks like a TV, but it's like gold and fancy. And the professor explains that when you ask the what if machine a question, you see a video representation of what the world would be like if that were true. And I think I just want to go around the room and say, if you had a what if machine, what question would you ask it? Oh, where
2: do we go after we die?
0: (laughs) There. So I think you have to phrase it as a what if question, Lauren. So I think you would have to say, what if I died? (laughs)
1: Oh, okay. Right, right, right.
0: What if I died?
1: Um, Here's (laughs) the for for me as a highly anxious person with many ocd tendencies i'm kind of glad the what if machine doesn't exist because i don't think i'd actually end up doing anything i think i would would just watch it all day i would yeah i'd be just be stuck at home asking multiple what if questions until the day is done (laughs) and then i would never actually get anything done um, uh, so it's kind of, it's good for me that it doesn't exist because it forces me to live my life. Um, uh, <laughs> but if I had it, I don't know. I'd probably, no. uh, <laughs> I'd be sticking. I,
2: I totally relate though. Cause I'm sort of an alarmist too. And I, I'm like a nervous Nelly, like thinking about all the things that could go wrong, you know, especially when you have <laughs> kids. I mean, yeah. yeah. And then I relate to that.
1: Furthermore. If I did have a what if machine, I'd probably do whatever i you know whatever I decide to do, but then sit around asking it, what if I had done the other thing, and then I'd probably like <laughs> spend a lot of time upset that I hadn't made a different choice. So
2: oh my probably God. best that
0: it doesn't exist
2: <laughs> That's funny. That would be a
1: big loop would yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I would just use it for dating. I would be like, what if I asked out the barista on a date?
1: Yeah, you're would just you going yes? to end up watching porn all day on the what if machine. <laughs>
0: on the what, if machine.
1: <laughs> what I love about um, the first question for the what if machine, um, Bender asks the first what if question and he poses the question. He says, as a robot, I often feel like I don't fit in amongst humans at parties. Oh, so I want to know, what if I were 50 feet or 500 feet tall? Okay, about now. 500 feet tall. What, what's crazy about this is in a future what if episode... Bender does ask, "What if he were a human?" Yes, but they set the it up one. now like that, That's why when you know when I watch the show Out of Order, I always get confused which what if what if episode it's going to be because both episodes start with Bender talking about being a human, but one of them he asks, "What if I were five hundred feet tall?" This makes me wonder: Did they know ahead of time there was going to be multiple what if? episodes or if they were just kind of giving us a red heron before <laughs> is it red herring or actually, red herring <laughs> herring, herring. <laughs> I, I think that
2: i think that well you you guys know right that almost all the writers went to harvard right so, yeah. so they're like insane brainiacs and and uh, i i have a f- feeling that they I don't know for certain, but I I have a feeling that they map out all of the episodes ahead of time. uh, And then they assign who's going to write it. So they they probably did factor that in and also just knowing how obsessive some of the fans are just trying to make sure that they're accurate
3: yeah with, you know ah. especially
2: if it's like something scientific with the like <laughs> someone out there is gonna is gonna like call them on it if, yeah. if they're wrong in any way but these guys are like so crazy smart that they'll like like david x cohen has a weekly math club where they just get together and solve problems. <laughs>
1: I can't think wow. of anything I'd like to do less than exactly
3: in a weekly math club.
1: <laughs> um, yes, we know we know that they do a lot of pre planning and that all can be. Uh, that's all evident in Nibbler's shadow in the very first episode so I I assume that this was kind of an inside joke knowing that fu- uh, a future what if episode was going to have Bender as a human but I really do love that setup and then we go straight into Bender being built by many smaller Benders on what we can yes. only presume is a Bender planet <laughs>
0: Yes, I forgot that he's from a Bender planet because at the end of being built, he rockets off the planet with a rocket in his butt and he flies to Earth. while Iron Man
1: plays. And and yes, from well, that point song, on, <laughs> and the, from that point on, this vignette is a spoof of the film The Iron Giant. Was that film already out yet? Where that kid finds that yeah. giant alien robot? I remember
0: <laughs> Vin Diesel. Did you know Vin Diesel is the robot? I
1: really? <laughs> oh, no! Idea. no.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's Groot oh and he's the Iron Giant. He's got... <laughs> you should hang out with him at like the voice actor clubs that we know you all hang out at. Oh
2: yeah, no, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, Bender crashes into Earth, and we see that Fry is oh so lonely without Bender. He he's not happy without Bender. Um, But luckily, while he's feeding a duck and getting bit by it, Bender crashes into Earth and they become friends and they have a montage in the park where they listen to (laughs) Mbop.
1: Well, oh, my God. (laughs) Before the montage, Bender introduces himself as I'm a big robot and I need a big cereal to which Fry says, you too? So has, Fry, has Lonely Fry just been waiting for someone else who also desires a big cereal?
0: Also, is this a reference? Is this a commercial that I don't remember? I think it's just a trope from mean old to cereal you,
1: commercials.
3: <laughs>
2: I know, I know nothing. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so uh, they are—they do a montage in the park. Mbappé is playing. Uh, they play hide and seek, but Bender's huge. Um, they spit off a bridge, but Bender's big oil spit <laughs> makes a bunch of cars crash. And they play Frisbee. Um, and then Bender trying to catch the Frisbee lands on Hanson, who is playing a concert in the park. Oh, so we find I out Mbappé <laughs> is uh, diegetic. It's happening yeah. in the scene. <laughs> and, and Bender crushes... The
1: remaining Hanson fans left on planet Earth. <laughs> the entire <laughs> concert
0: is crushed. And there goes the heads of Hanson. Um, I do want to say Mbop is a really good song. It it's a bad rap, but that song is well written, it's catchy, it's fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. So after. <laughs> After Bender's been kind of terrorizing Central Park, I guess um, the military sent in. They're completely useless against gigantic Bender. So, as often is the case, it falls upon the professor and the Planet Express crew to do something <laughs> <laughs> about the giant robot attacking the city. And we have a uh, we have one of those broken expectations. Uh, another. <laughs> <laughs> another professor invention he what what's it called his invention that makes things it's just bigger enlarging just an enlarging, an just enlarging, an enlarging ray. ray and he says but we're gonna need a guinea pig and then we see a guinea pig but the guinea pig is just bait for <laughs> professor zoidberg <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they make Aww. zoidberg huge and then it becomes a big uh, godzilla fight
2: oh <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: But first... do you like these uh these <laughs> movies where the the monsters crush the cities lauren you ever watched a godzilla
2: <laughs> oh you know once in a while if my kids want to watch that like I, I i sometimes we watch really bad movies just for fun like pacific rim
0: I, I yes mean, that's fully a godzilla movie yeah yeah
2: <laughs> i just get did they out. did they
0: enjoy the sequel <laughs> pacific <Yeah>. rim too <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it was so surprising, too, because Guillermo is usually so spot on. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened there.
1: But. <laughs> <Hot take. laughs> I get stressed out when I see a city destroyed because all I can think is, Who's gonna fix it? This is gonna cost millions in tax dollars to repair all of this. Um, but what I love, what I love, is Zoidberg is made gigantic, and they think Zoidberg's gonna go take care of Bender right away. But first, Zoidberg has to work out his demons and get revenge on everyone who's ever wronged him. So, uh, Zoidberg first attacks uh, Chase Manhattan for not <laughs> approving his credit card, and then attacks awesome. the Apollo Theater for booing him off stage at open mic night. What was Bender doing at the Apollo
0: Theater? They they don't have an open mic night at the Apollo. (laughs) I want to say that right now. There's no way a a 700, like multi-thousand theater is going to have an open mic night that Zoidberg can join.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm just saying Zoidberg should have known that the Apollo Theater is not for him to perform
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's not really his demo. Um, uh, So, yeah, they get into a a pretty big fight there. Um, Bender uh, solves the fight by getting a big uh, stadium, filling it with water and then boiling it (laughs) with his fire breath. And then he puts Zoidberg in there and boils him like a lobster.
3: Oh, my God. What a fate.
0: (laughs) Zoidberg,
1: however hops back out now like even redder and angrier <laughs> and chops off bender's feet at the ankles bender falls backwards without his foot cups and lands on the empire state building which impales him um and in this iteration of bender that's all it takes to kill him because we know that
0: oh <laughs> we know that bender's He's gotten holes argument- in him before and he yeah. was fine
3: <laughs> yeah
1: i <laughs> what guess I- whatever suits the
0: episode <laughs> <Yeah>. yes yes <laughs> (laughs) Well, also it's in the what if machine. So if he was really big, then getting impaled would kill him. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So as soon as
1: Bender is laying there dying, the the same humans who were just being terrorized by him and wanted him defeated now immediately feel remorse. And (laughs) they're immediately starting to feel bad for this robot. And Bender has a wonderful monologue saying, I came here with a dream. A dream of killing all humans is this how it must end i ask you who's the real seven billion ton robot monster here not i <laughs> oh my god people are very touched we... and moved by Benders.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed that you remembered that whole
1: speech. Oh, well, I do have <laughs> my notes here. Don't
0: worry. Oh, you can't see <laughs> Okay.
1: Okay. okay. Yeah, we're
0: not we're not that out of control. We okay, okay. <laughs> However, we need some visual cues. <laughs> however, we
1: uh, this whole podcast started because uh, Nick and I would just sit um, sit around saying quotes back and forth to each other. So we do have many, many quotes um, memorized, but we we take notes for the episode to get it word perfect. so don't worry that we're yeah, we're not idiot savants who know everything about <laughs> drama just off the top of our heads. <laughs>
0: Yeah, when she was on tour and if we were watching Futurama separately, a funny joke would come up and I would just text the whole thing to her. And then she would text me back a, another funny joke, maybe from the episode that she had watched. That day. Oh,
2: man, that's awfully cute. <laughs> I love that you bonding over this. You bond over lots of
1: other things, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, just this. This is it. This. <laughs> this is the only um... thing we really like. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so as far as the 3 the 3 vignette setup I think 500 500- Foot tall Bender is a good introduction to the What If machine, but not my favorite of the three. Um, we're about to get into my favorite of the three, which is Impulsive
0: Lila. <laughs> Impulsive Lila. Aww. Yeah, Lila. Lila has to be coaxed into asking a What If question because she's so unimpulsive that she she won't even ask the question. But then she's inspired by Fry eating uh, cereal off of his head. <laughs>
1: My favorite part of the fry eating cereal off his head bit is Bender cheering him on. Go, man, go. Go, man, man. go. <laughs> and when Leela's like, kind of. You know, Leela's coaxed into it a little bit, seeing Fry eat the cereal off off his head. But then she's having a moment of doubt. But then she looks over and he's slicing bananas on top now. So she she realizes she's got to take this opportunity to be a little bit more impulsive. And she asks the what-if machine, what if I were a little bit more impulsive? Just a little bit, not too much.
0: (laughs) Yes, Uh, and we find out that when she is more impulsive, she... Gets a boot with a green stripe on
2: it. <laughs> Wish that they had asked me that question so that I could have said the the where question, <laughs> and then they could have put that in for Amy. No, Amy, it needs to be phrased
3: <laughs> as a what if.
0: Well, I mean, Fry anyway. does struggle to ask uh, a question in the what if format later. Oh, <laughs> okay. He, he said he doesn't ask it as a what up question, and the professor really has to walk him through it. Oh, okay,
2: um, then they got it in there. So in that's this,
0: why. Yeah, we, yeah, oh, we know no, that ahead.
1: Fry and Leela have some overlap because we've already we've already reviewed the episode where Fry and Leela dated. Um, oh, no, sorry, oh, Fry, Fri, oh, Amy, Fry and Amy. Fry, Amy,
0: sorry, yeah, Fry Amy. yeah, We're, absolutely, Amy and Leela. I said Amy and Leela no, okay. on accident, which I do want to see.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah,
2: maybe. No, that that was.
3: Yeah. Put
1: That'd your be head on my shoulders.
3: Couple. That one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: That's one of um, Amy's first meaty episodes. And and we've already reviewed that episode. But I just want to take a moment to ask, like, how do you how do you relate to the character, Amy? What are some of your favorite Amy episodes? Um, what's your favorite Amy trajectory throughout the throughout the seasons? <laughs>
2: I am excited to tell you that I can't tell you, but, uh,
1: but there's
2: a Amy heavy, really Amy heavy episode coming up in this next batch that I just absolutely love. (laughs) Uh, But the ones that we've already done, like, you know, put your head on my shoulders was like one of my favorite, you know, episodes just because it was
0: time with that one.
2: Oh, it's so much fun just going back and forth with Billy too. And it's like the the (laughs) way that they awkwardly talk with one another, like and stuff, they always like add like and
3: junk. (laughs)
2: It's just really cute. And then like the, the ones with, with Leo and Inez, I love too. just the, the Mars university ones and, you know, them trying to get her to have grandchildren and (laughs) and things like that. And, and uh... oh, and I also loved the one where, they they made amy th- that she was actually really smart yes <laughs> do you remember we that, forget that
0: she's very smart Is that <laughs> yeah, yeah, because exactly. she's so ditzy yeah. yes. yes and i'm i'm
2: ditzy too as you can see but but i i just it's kind of like me but a younger and a little bit heightened you know
0: yeah. um. <laughs> is the one where she's very smart the cat planet one because i was going to mention that one amy's great in that one
2: Oh, thanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was, is that, was that the name of it? I don't remember.
0: I don't remember the, I don't think it was just called The Cat Planet, but it's the one where the cats are reversing the Earth's rotation and Amy's like doing her (laughs) dissertation. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: No, that was awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a great episode. Amy is a very multifaceted
1: supporting character, which, which I absolutely love. That's what I love about the writing on the show is that, you know, uh, we've got our core characters in Fry, Leela and Bender, but whenever right. we have like a Hermes episode or an Amy episode, we get a look into their lives where we're like, these people are every bit as interesting as Fry, Leela and Bender, and you know?
0: how about <laughs> Scruffy? And Scruffy? Love Scruffy! Oh, he joins the cast in this episode! <laughs> yes! This is I, the I... first time we see Scruffy! Oh, <laughs> uh, really? Yes, That's... he shows oh. up in the Leela vignette when um, Zoidberg is a Accusing everyone agatha christie style and he's only in the what if machine but then when it cuts outside the what if machine we see that scruffy is in fact there in the <laughs> real world as well and then he's just there for the rest of
2: the show oh, he's <laughs> the brilliant guy. i love that character
0: <laughs> so i love gender swap scruffy the gender swap <laughs> episode <laughs> And scruffy is like all sexy. Yeah. <laughs> sexy so, lady. We think the extent of Leela's
1: impulsiveness is just that she buys new uh-huh. boots with a crazy green stripe. <laughs> but soon after, she is in the professor's laboratory. He's feeding his man-eating anteater, <laughs> which I just So love, funny. As a sentence alone, as a standalone sentence. And he reveals that Leela <laughs> is going to inherit his vast fortune- <laughs> The moment he dies, um, because he says, I couldn't leave my fortune to anyone else because they're far too impulsive, but I can leave it to you, Leela. Not like old, predictable, dull as dishwater, Leela. People are really rough to Leela throughout the entire show. They're pretty yeah. rough on Leela.
2: It's true. I'm always calling her a whore, I feel yes. like. <laughs>
0: The Amy Lila (laughs) dynamic is one of my favorite things about the show because you know we spend a lot of time with Fry and Bender and it it, there's a not that I mind it they're hilarious but there's like a lot of boy talk so when it kind of gets into the the Lila and Amy dynamic of them kind of taking little snipes at each other like later in this episode (laughs) for example yeah yeah, um... it's
2: fun (laughs) did you did you know that that it originally uh Amy was supposed to be really tough and a, mecha- a car mechanic.
3: Oh, and they wow. had me drawn
2: in a jumpsuit. <laughs> and, and then Lila was the girlier one who loved boys. And then oh. when they met me, cause, cause Lila, uh, Katie came on later. Mm. Um, and, uh, they actually, cause Matt said, I don't really know what we're going to do, but I've got to get you in the show somehow because of your laugh.
3: <laughs> so so
2: because of because of my energy they actually switched the um you know the qualities of the characters and made me the girlier one and and Lila the tough one wearing you know the boots and 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 also another little fun fact that um that I'm not sure most people know is that uh so Fry Fry and Leela were different in the pilot they were Played by two different actors. Uh, oh wow. Um, wow. Originally. And and you know, this is they were played by Charlie Schlatter and Nicole. I can't remember her last name, but they're wonderful actors. And honestly, anyone that's ever worth their salt has been fired at some point <laughs> in their career. So this is nothing against them at all.
0: I was but fired it, from a Buffalo know. Exchange once, so I can
2: relate. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is the like the 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 cringe heartbreaking aspect of this story that that um charlie called nicole and said you know oh my god they've they've fired me and and then nicole goes oh oh wait hang on i'm getting a call
3: Oh no! <laughs> oh,
2: oh, oh, oh. <laughs> i know and then and then billy west had auditioned for fi before mm-hmm. and he had it was already cast as professor and um uh and Zoey And then um, they they brought in Lee, uh, Katie Segal for Lila. And then so we did a second table read. And that's, that's how it went. I oh, think. wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: That is so interesting to learn, because I just kind of assumed, you know, once Billy West was hired, he was hired with all of the characters that he voices on the show. And it's interesting to hear that he had already Landed some of the characters, but then had to yeah. re-audition as Fry. That's, that's well, really interesting Well, they already had the learn. tape.
2: He, already, he did read for Fry. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: And so they already had that audition. So then I think they just, you know, decided to, yeah, go with him too for the three parts.
0: <laughs> I have a question regarding that. Um, obviously, Billy and Tress do like a lot of the sort of, um, they, they voice their main characters, but they also voice a lot of the side characters. And um, Mo,
2: Mo, and Tress, you mean yes.
0: right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Yes. Yeah, that's okay. Um, but uh, do you ever voice anyone other than Amy? I, I just wonder, and maybe we didn't even notice.
2: Oh yeah, like, did you? Do you remember the episode where Lur has a son, Jur? Yes, I, Jer. Love Jer. Jer. Jer.
0: <laughs> I love Jur. You're a Jur. Yeah, I love Jur.
2: So I do any <laughs> floozy. I do all the floozies. Anybody that's like a prostitute, that's me. Yeah. Oh, and, are you and
0: Petunia? Then-
2: Yes. I love the tuna. <laughs> and then and then anyone that's a kid, yeah. like a little kid, like five and under, you know. Um you Lauren.
1: Lauren Cuber? was one of the Slurms McK- McKenzie Mackenzie girls as oh, well. You were. Uh,
2: oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of yeah, the party slug girls. <laughs> I love it when they throw me stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're getting off track.
1: <laughs> no, this oh, is, no, this is this, this is, is the podcast. Honestly, this, is, this is better than than reviewing the episode, getting the inside <laughs> scoop with one of our favorite voice actors. But if we were to get back into the episode, at this point, the professor has goaded Leela so much that she decides to be impulsive and kicks him into the man-eating anteater pit. And he immediately starts screaming, you've killed me, you've killed me. And And Leela screams, What have I done? And he says, I just told you, you (laughs) and seconds later, he is reduced to bones. And I love the bit of the one anteater
0: coughing his glasses back up perfectly
3: onto it his- Oh, my God. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> yes, and um, they are investigating the uh, death of the professor, and uh, Zoidberg right away takes this um, Poirot, Agatha Christie role <laughs> and decides he's going to solve the murder. Um, and the first time we see him doing that, he's interviewing the man-eating anteaters while... <laughs> Hermes who has figured it out is being murdered yeah oh my god he's figured it out because there's a video will that, yeah. <laughs> that has filmed
1: Leela murdering the professor oh my god um, I do remember a- this <laughs> it's a wonderful <laughs> device just to keep the story moving but what's very funny is that um you know Leela becomes a serial murderer very quickly you know from one impulsive decision, and she explains later she has to keep covering her tracks, but she doesn't think twice about murdering Hermes, who screams, my precious torso
0: from the other room while <laughs> Swadeberg is preoccupied with my the anteaters. And while she is disposing of Hermes's body, Bender comes in and finds Hermes's hair and arm in the garbage disposal, but is not going to tell on her, only wants to blackmail her into... Uh, I don't know does Lila have enough money to pay well I guess she does because she she just just got the inheritance yeah
1: (sighs) yes I love how it's kind of innocuous when he finds Hermes's dreadlocks you know he's like what are Hermes dreadlocks doing in the disposal and his arm so it's kind of like you think maybe she can come up with an excuse but then he pulls out his arm he Decides to extort her right away. He says he likes extortion better than blackmail because the X makes, cool. makes it
0: sound cool. Yeah.
1: Um, Leela uses a broken microwave and the radiation to. Just obliterate Bender within seconds, and then uses the pieces of his body to <laughs> build herself a tiny little car to drive around in.
0: Um, then she drives. And then we in. finally get our Amy. Up. Uh, Amy is not in this episode very much, so I'm okay, glad that okay. I'm actually glad we're talking about uh, other things more than the episode. <laughs> but this is a great Amy moment um, where uh, Leela comes in and she has just sworn no more killing. Next time you feel like killing someone. Have a stick of gum. <laughs> and she comes in in the bender go kart, and Amy says, um, What a cool, sexy go kart, totally unlike you. And this is sort of that Amy Leela dynamic that we were just talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. And Leela asks Amy if she has any gum. Aww. And Amy does not.
3: <laughs>
0: and you give a blood curdling scream as she comes at you, which uh, really took me there.
3: Yeah. Actually,
2: Um, It's a kind of a running joke that every time I'm asked to scream, everyone prepares themselves. The engineer, like, makes sure that his ears are going to be safe. (laughs) Everyone scatters like ants into the, you know, into their little
3: cubbies. And then
2: I don't know why. It's just one of my talents. (laughs)
1: the The Amy Leela dynamic of Amy always making these passive aggressive non compliments about Leela's femininity, yeah, just I relate to it so much with my best friend Kenny, who's always giving me a compliment followed up by like a a caveat that like, oh, you look really cute today, not like yesterday at all oh, you know? God. <laughs> um. um so I, I just love seeing those Amy Leila moments and Amy's just so she's so well written because it would be so easy to make her one dimensional, but she's not, she's smart when she needs to be smart. She's rich when she needs to be rich. <laughs> she's <laughs> That's always right. got a funny line. Even if she's only got a couple lines in the episode, they're always very well written and expertly
0: delivered.
2: Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. <James>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, so we kind of finish our Agatha the Christie parody um Zoidberg is accusing people in the parlor he feels like he's got this figured out and Leela is still really poorly trying to cover up her tracks she pretends she doesn't wear boots when a boot print is discovered <laughs> Fry says what smells like boot feet <laughs> um, <laughs> and then one by one she kills uh Scruffy previously mentioned and um it's q it's q there's a Q-Bert. giant
1: sword through Hubert. Then um, then she turns the lights out again. And the sword, and now Scruffy is on the sword too. Hubert's in the same spot, but Scruffy's St- oh, like towards-, <laughs> <Yeah. Okay. laughs> yes. towards the handle. And I love when Nibbler's starting to figure it out. Then she even murders her precious Nibbler. And <laughs> Nibbler She is- murders is- Nibbler. I didn't even yeah. think of that. A Nibbler's between Scruffy and Cubert, which means she had Somehow. to lift the sword up with Scruffy's body on it, I- murder I- Nibbler, and then replace the sword. Dang! It's t- such a violent episode! <laughs> <laughs> but We don't see any of the violence. It's all off-screen oh, okay. violence. Okay.
0: <laughs> so Zoidberg has fully cracked the case because, like, a letter came in or something. It only took eight remember.
1: murders, but
0: it's yeah. now
1: finally oh, my figured God. out.
0: And Fry gives one of my favorite quotes. I really tried to get it on the soundboard, but I couldn't find a video clip of it where um, Zoidberg is about to reveal the killer and Fry just yawns and says, oh, I'm bored. You're boring, Zoidberg. I'm gonna go watch TV. And I need this for sometimes when Jinx's stories go on for too long. I'm gonna add it to the soundboard.
1: Yeah, Nick oftentimes quotes Futurama to get me to um, stop on an anxiety spiral or to just get me to stop in the middle of a story I've already told. His go-tos are, again, with the orphanarium, and <laughs> this is boring. You're boring, Jinx. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love it. So, yeah, uh, Leela um, seems to have gotten away with it because Fry is so dumb, and he comes in the next day She's and he eating, asks, if, "She's, she's eating, eating Zoidberg." This is what's really remarkable: is she's not just murdering people; she's now eating people. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's Zoidberg, but still, she oh didn't have Oh my
3: god! To
0: um, and Fry' a hilarious moment is like. Was uh Planet Express built on an Indian graveyard? And she says no. And he's like, oh, then it was you. And um, <laughs> he had two running theories. Two she, theories. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we yeah, tell us she, about the end of this. <laughs> we
1: think that she's gonna murder Fry as the her final, you know, covering of all her tracks. And
0: yeah, she would have
1: murdered every single co-worker she had. But instead we cut to Fry and Leela in bed. And that's, um, that's her new impulsive <laughs> choices.
3: Oh man, that's awesome. try to silence
1: him. And my favorite way- This is the first
0: time we've seen them together. Yeah. Physically. And it's only in a what if uh, it's only in yeah. a what if and yet, but it's sort of says- like that episode of castle where they finally kissed, but it was in the past. It was like a dream. So I don't even count. know what you're talking about. You watch castle. No. <laughs> <Lauren>? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Leela in bed with Fry says, so Fry, what do you think of the new impulsive me? And he says, I like it. She turns out the lights and then we hear a Fry blood curdling scream. And then he says, I really like it. <laughs> of course, our assumption must be that what they're, they're, uh, she's doing some butt play with Fry for the first time. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> um, and also the fact that Fry likes it very subversive, very progressive because, you know, nowadays. Hey Nowadays, right. ass play is nothing. Everyone's eating ass <laughs> and putting things up there. But back then. Back then, <laughs> that was a big deal. That was groundbreaking. cutting edge. Yeah.
0: <laughs> do you have a favorite of these vignettes? I know we're we're only about to talk about the third. The third is where Fry uh, asked if he never went to the future. Um, do, do any of these really speak to you? Do you have a favorite? Who, me? Yeah, Lauren.
2: Oh, oh. I have to find out what you're gonna say for the next part because I don't really okay. remember. It.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's get into the
1: final vignette. This is um, this is a good vignette, but it's less about our it's less about the Planet Express crew and more about all the guest
0: stars. Um, <laughs> oh, this this is a wild group of guest stars yeah. here. But we uh, did, I almost want to jump right to it because yeah, Fry could, goes to the past.
1: Fry has some funny moments of first he, he wants go to, to see. Past. It, Fry wants to see Bender's 500-foot <laughs> what-if again. Um, the you professor- already asked that. Aww. I know. I want to see it again. <laughs> ask <laughs> something Aww. less stupid. Uh- <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> and how does he ask the what-if machine? The, the professor has to end up asking. The professor the has computer, to ask Fry. it
0: for him because yeah. he's too dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we see what would happen if he never fell into the machine. And I, I have to wonder is this because Bender wasn't, or because Nibbler wasn't there underneath the desk? Because we don't see a shadow, but I also don't think we see that angle.
1: I just think <laughs> that, I think all the, what are they, what do they call themselves? The, the time Avengers. The Nibblonians? Oh. <laughs> no, 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 the, the ragtag. Oh, I group have of it here. <laughs>
0: They are the uh, vice presidential action rangers. <laughs> <laughs> vice presidential <laughs> action rangers. I think their interference is,
1: you know, it, it possibly Nibbler didn't end up going to complete his mission yeah. because um, Fry wasn't alone. But When Fry does not get frozen, um, he bangs his head instead, but does not fall into the cryogenic um, freezing machine. Um, And then a a, a hole in the space-time continuum is ripped open, and he sees (laughs) Bender. And does he see Bender, Leela, and Zoidberg all here, or is that later?
0: Yes, and the professor. And okay, all of them are there to see Fry. Weird group that <laughs> Zoidberg's there and Bender's there, but like we don't see Hermes or Amy. Like mm-hmm. you could, th- you would think like if Zoidberg's there, I feel like Amy and Hermes should be. there. Yeah. <laughs> we could have cut Zoidberg. <laughs> um, he goes back uh, and works at Ponucci's Pizza, and uh, Stephen Hawking comes in to order oh. the
1: pizza. <laughs> and this was and when
0: this was not just a computer
1: voice, you know, this, uh, uh, this was Stephen Hawking <laughs> as yes. the voice actor, which I love because when I was a kid watching this for the first time, when it aired, I thought, Oh, that's funny because you could just use the a computer generated voice, but no, they got, they got Al Gore, Stephen Hawking, Michelle Nichols. Michelle Nichols. Yeah.
2: Yes. Gary
0: Gygax. <laughs> yes.
2: And the, the funniest, the, the one of the funniest little anecdotes is a uh, the the day that Pamela Anderson came in. <gasps> and oh and God. all of these Harvard educated writers, well, first of all, they all came. And they never would visit us. (laughs)
3: They just,
2: they could not form a sentence suddenly. (laughs) They became very, very dumb.
0: (laughs) That's fascinating (laughs) to me. How often when there's like a special guest, uh, are you there for the recording? Because I imagine these days you do a lot of it remotely.
2: Well, well, sometimes, you know, you, you... it depends on the celebrity's schedule. So they may not be able to come when we're all there. So they might have to do it separately, but, um, it's, it's always been fun when, you know, when you can meet people, I, I just, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. Yeah. That was the funniest one because it Billy was like, Hey, Pam, I hear there's like something about these tapes around or
3: something like that. (laughs) She, she was
2: a really good sport. She actually laughed.
0: Um,
3: (laughs) (laughs)
2: but, uh, I think I got to meet like more celebrities in
0: person on King of the Hill because. Oh, yeah. um, Do you have a favorite Tom celebrity Petty... you've gotten to meet from uh, doing voice acting? Tom. Well, Petty, I said. mean,
2: Brad Pitt came in, and and uh, Tom <laughs> Petty would come in a lot because he was lucky on King of the Hill. And, and yeah 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 and my mom got to meet him too and she was like she just embarrassed me so much we were in the elevator just me and brad pitt and my mother
3: and my mother
2: my mother just it was like silent right and we were going up four floors and 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 then so for a few minutes we were just riding, and then my mom literally lurched for brad pitt's hand grabbed it and shook it and said hi
3: i'm nancy tom from chicago he's like okay nice to meet
2: you and then we had to just ride up
1: in silence for the rest of the floors so it was just like the worst uh, anyway we just
0: i have up. a um obscure king of the hill question that you may okay. have zero opinion mm-hmm. on but because okay. you mentioned brad pitt i want to ask you about this brad pitt played Boomhauer's brother cousin. yeah brother yeah, so brother. he talks in the same inaudible way yeah that Boomhauer does yeah did you know lauren that there's a huge uh japanese fan base for king of the hill <laughs> and just like here in america we have arguments over like oh if you're watching anime you should watch it with subtitles rather than dubbed because you get these different experiences there in japanese Boomhauer speaks in regular words.
3: No way. You actually
0: know what he's saying.
3: Oh, oh my god. Did you know about this? I did not. So like,
0: the diehard King of the Hill fans in Japan are like, you have to watch it dubbed <laughs> because other or, or no, you have to watch it with subtitles because otherwise you're missing out on all the Boomhauer jokes.
2: Oh man, that's awesome. Oh geez <laughs> I'll have to tell someone that. I, I I not that I can call up Brad Pitt and tell
1: them probably knows.
0: <laughs> Um. So, so luckily the diehard King of the Hill fans are in Japan are still hearing your voice. Yeah. They're listening it to not just in Japan.
1: Wow. I, I rewatch King of the Hill all the time. When I was on my holiday <laughs> tour Aww. two years ago, I was rewatching every episode of King of the Hill. And when I was a young teenage person, not yet out of the closet, I had a Aww. full-blown crush on Joseph Gribble post-puberty. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, that's he's a handsome boy. Funny. <laughs> oh my God. So oh,
0: man. that episode where he, um, I, it must've been at a season break or something where he comes back and he's much taller. That was, yeah. that's one of, yeah. that's probably my favorite King of the Hill episode. Yeah. I think it's brilliant.
2: Yeah, I think it used to be voiced by Brittany Murphy yeah. before that. Oh, yeah. Really? And then, wow. then they switched it. Yeah.
1: Post-puberty. That's, yeah. Right, right. That's exactly. Yeah. Um, so back to our episode. Back to future. You. Yes,
2: yes, yes. Sorry.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Don't be sorry. I'm, I'm actually. This is this is the perfect. This is the perfect podcast episode. But in the <laughs> the plot of the vignette, essentially, we're getting that Fry doesn't go to the future. It causes a disturbance in the space time continuum, which prompts Stephen Hawking and the Vice Presidential Action Rangers to to come in <laughs> to try to fix what's broken with the space time. Continuum. And as we've already mentioned, the, um, the vice presidential action rangers consist of Stephen Hawking, Michelle Nichols, Al Gore, who's a wow. recurring friend
0: of the show Futurama, and. Yes. Um, he even and used they these- use Futurama in his documentary. Yes. That's um,
1: right. <laughs> and then <laughs> who's the inventor of Dungeons and Dragons again, Nick? Gary Gygax. <laughs> and is, is that is he providing his? I own believe voice? it's actually <laughs> him. I Yeah, I think I, I think he came
2: up. in. Yeah, he actually came in. Yep.
1: <laughs> That's very fun. <laughs> and then we've got Deep Blue, the chess playing robot,
0: is a member of he's the summer infantry. Which I think is a real robot as well. I don't think it's actually <laughs> oh. voiced by him, but it's <laughs> funny. It sounds Um, like it might be Tress McNeil um, voicing Deep It might be, probably,
2: (laughs) probably is, yeah.
0: So yeah, um, they're sort of trying to solve the mystery of why this time-space disturbance is happening. They determine that it has something to do with Fry uh, changing the future by something that happened. So they drive him in a school bus back to uh, the place where it all happened. I really love this recurring gag of Stephen Hawking trying to steal credit for stuff oh yeah he's fry plagiarizing
1: says, things left and right yeah.
0: <laughs> fry says really he wants funny. to call it a, a fry hole and when they go back to the cryogenic lab he says yes i call it a hawking hole
1: <laughs> <laughs> and funny. when they're putting
0: him in the chamber they say put him in the chamber it was my idea
1: <laughs> yeah because um michelle nichols um touches her little ear thing like she's getting a transmission, yeah. but
0: then she says,
1: wait, I'm getting an idea. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh! um, I love all these cameos. They're hilarious. Yeah. But another before- great Michelle Nichols line is when they're <laughs> running him over with Stephen Hawking's wheelchair, they say <laughs> something's wrong. Murder isn't working. And that's all we're good at. <laughs> and that's all we're good at. So so we now learn. They've just been going around murdering just people. just going around murdering people at the people behest of Al problems. Gore, apparently.
1: <laughs> God. But murdering him doesn't work, the, the hole is ripped open again, and we see the Planet Express crew, and we learn that what needs to happen is Fry has to get into the, the, the freezing chamber, but he uses the mace that Gary Gygax gives him as protection, he uses that to destroy the, the, the chamber, and with no possibility of freezing fry, the universe is sucked into the fry hole or the hawking hole, whoever you're siding <laughs> with. And that's the end of the universe. <laughs> and-,
0: and they just play D&D in a white void for the rest yeah. of their existence. Oh <laughs> Which- my
1: God. It feel, even though this is a what-if episode, it shows the importance of Fry being frozen at the time that he is. And we learn through many, many episodes that so many things depend on Fry being frozen and, and coming to in the future the way that he does. So basically, we learn just how crucial this is. It's not just for the plot of the show. It is the entire Universe of Futurama hinges on Fry being frozen when he is and thought out when he does. So I just love this because, as as we've talked about a little bit, the writing is so clever and smart. But for a sci-fi cartoon to put this much thought into the world building of their universe <laughs> is why true. Futurama is our favorite show.
2: <laughs> oh, that's awesome! And it's you know, and it takes those guys being so crazy smart to figure <laughs> it all out. Right? <laughs> I mean, so is that does that, sign, does that mean that Fry's, uh segment was your favorite then of this episode
1: my favorite is still the impulsive leela segment but i do love i I love any time we see that like nothing in the show futurama happens on accident everything kind of fits into the place of of the universe that they've built and then also we end the episode on a very funny note because um after watching all of these vignettes (laughs) <laughs> the professor the professor is angry at the what if machine because he says that's ridiculous that's preposterous stephen hawking in a pizzeria never <laughs> <And> so- <laughs> And then he says, "This machine isn't worth the gold it's made out of, and oh my it God. in the trash can." But the fing <laughs> longer is a huge success, and everyone Everybody applauds claps. the professor yeah. on the Finglonger. longer. But then we are <laughs> we get the reveal that none of that, none of what we've just watched, has actually just happened because it was actually just the professor alone in a room with the what if machine, and he had asked the question what if I invented the Finglonger? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so this is very God, sweet episode. I love
3: that. I love that.
1: <laughs> so it's just, it, this is such a great, Episode for the writing, for the world building, and then also the comedy of everything. And it's just a it's a perfect example of why Futurama is so much fun. Um, but honestly, as as fun as these vignettes are, um, it's been more fun to talk to you, Lauren, about all the the behind-the-scenes stuff, get your hot takes on all of these things. And um, we always close out our episode by asking these compulsory questions, and I'm so Uh excited um the first question hey hey let me ask you something <laughs> you
3: something <laughs>
0: The first Bender question did is, say "ax" in this episode. We were wondering if, <laughs> if that stayed consistent, it does stay consistent,
1: <laughs> except then seconds later, Leela says the word ask. So it's kind of just when they she remember does? it. Yeah, she does. Okay. I made a note of it, but anyway, <laughs> Lauren, Tom of yeah. all of the Futurama characters. I can't in believe we're any her episode. <laughs> who do you most relate to and do not feel pressured to say Amy, but it's totally fine. If it is Amy, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who do I most relate to? Scruffy.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and
2: with Amy's the second uh runner-up runner-up
1: <laughs> runner to scruffy. Um <laughs> if we ever do a spin-off <laughs> podcast, that's what we're gonna call it, the runner-up to scruffy. Uh, <laughs> Our next no, question. I mean,
2: yeah, I guess it. Go
1: ahead. <laughs> oh no, no. Um, our next question for you is: Of all the Futurama characters, who would you do? Oh
2: my god! <laughs> I actually think that they paired me with everyone. Everyone. That's
0: true. You've been with Bender. Even
2: Bender. Yeah. I mean, how does that work, right? <laughs> like, maybe I haven't done it with Nibbler yet.
1: <laughs> I, that's the only one left but hey you know what
0: We'll look forward to that yeah. in the reboot. That'll be a good episode.
1: <laughs> what, well, Jinx? There is the, there's the alternate universe episode when they're going to all the different alternate universes. And, in the boxes. And a, in the weird, like, 70s free love alternate universe, um, it seems like the professor and Amy are shacking up, so.
3: Oh,
2: no. <laughs> okay, oh, dear. <laughs> so, wait, so she hasn't done it with Nibbler yet. But I, I, I actually, yeah.
1: Has she ever done it with Hermes? I don't think so. Oh yeah,
2: maybe, not. Not. but he's he's, but he's married. married. Yeah, he's yeah. married. <laughs> I, I I actually love the storyline of Amy and Kiff though, because it, yeah. that has so much heart in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that would be my. But that wasn't the question,
1: was it? <laughs> <laughs> who would you, Lauren Tom? Who would you do? Um, And we... Leela! (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Leela's
2: done it! They never even did that either! Leela
1: is the trade of (laughs) Futurama. (laughs) I can't tell you how many of our guests say that they would do Leela. Men, women, queer people, straight people. Everyone wants to have sex with Leela. And to me, that makes perfect sense.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
2: I mean, like the one I... Come on.
1: (laughs) Um, our final question. I don't think I, I, it doesn't feel worth asking. You what? Because you're going to be working. You're working on the new season. But we we typically ask all of our guests now that okay. um, now that we've ignited this conversation with you over this episode of Futurama. Will you yourself go watch more Futurama from this day forth?
2: <laughs> oh, you know, I I have a habit of not watching pretty much anything I do because, you know,
0: probably healthy.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it just makes me more self-conscious and especially if it's an on-camera job, that's excruciating.
1: Well, there's that, there's that Virgo rising in you there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just
2: pick apart everything that's wrong, you know, instead of just embracing myself with love, it kind of goes (laughs) south really quickly. So I don't know. I, I, um, You know what? One of the most favorite uh, little memories I have of all time was just watch. They premiered our show at the Griffith Observatory and (laughs) they showed the pilot on the ceiling of this domed. uh, Have you ever been there to the Griffith? I've never been
0: inside.
2: It, it's incredible. You have to go there and it's it's like where Jinx is right now and just in the planet. It's, like, it's so freaking magical. And that that was like, you know, if they had something like that, it would be so amazing. But that's usually when I tend to watch the episodes when I'm forced to. Yeah. No, no, that's that's not really true. But I, I love, you know, sometimes seeing how it turns out um, because yeah. it's the way they edit it and, you know, our... You know david x Cohen and matt are so great at directing too that it always lifts it more even than you know that when we're recording it it becomes even funnier when you see it all cut together so <laughs> but i don't usually watch all of them that's why i don't really know you know i, I couldn't really answer too many you've never
0: heard quite a bit of it <laughs> you gave us everything
1: okay. m- <laughs> more than we could have ever hoped for um, i i have a similar rule i watch everything i do like once maybe twice if i really like it and then i kind of never want to watch it again because i do the same thing where i pick it apart and then i would go to my what if machine and say what if i had played this role differently oh
2: my god that's funny oh my gosh i hope i get to see you perform one day it'll be so fun
1: you will be the guest of honor at any shows that you can I do I do have a humble request, and that's um when you're next in the recording studio with um with your futurama family, please let them know just how beloved the entire cast is by these two queer weirdos and <laughs> and I gotta say when we started this podcast we were so certain that this was like such a niche idea to do a queer lensed review of Futurama and constantly at my shows when I meet people after my shows they tell me just how much they love Futurama and uh, how much they love that there's a a podcast for the queer That's community discussing
2: awesome. it. So. Um, I if- love that you invited me. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy no, we, to be a part we of this. I love that you're
0: so happy you said yeah. yes. This is better than we could have imagined. And you're <laughs> wonderful. A wonderful.
2: Oh, guest. <laughs> God. Thank you, guys. And yeah. have a great rest of your tour.
1: Thank you so much, <laughs> Lauren. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have just. Um, Granted us the most wonderful favor. So, thank you so much for being with us today. And okay. that is it for season two. <laughs> that's it for season two of Futurama. And that's it for season two of I'm 40% podcast. So uh we'll be taking a short break, most likely, but we will be back with um season three of I'm 40% podcast as soon as we get our shit together. So uh, <laughs> thank you once more to our special guest, Lauren Tom. Thank you, Nick, for being on your best Bye. behavior. And thanks, uh, you guys. Have a wonderful day. Have a futuristic day, everyone. That's right. <laughs> Bye. <sighs> So that's what it would have been like if we had gotten Lauren Tom to be a guest on I'm 40% podcast. (laughs) A queen can dream. A queen can dream.